The Sunday Major is back to the USA. America's Card Room is kicking off 2018 with a Texas Hold'em-sized bang that could change your life. Beginning January 7th, America's Card Room is hosting the biggest Sunday Major on the planet with $1,001,000 on the table every week. Yes, $1,001,000 guaranteed. Forget about just one time to change your life. The $1,001,000 guaranteed tournament is happening weekly, all for just $265 a pop. For all the info, check out americascardroom.eu. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 187 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by americascardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from americascardroom.com, simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the ads or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on oneouter.com website and also via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then please email questions at oneouter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, thanks for joining us again today. I was away to say it's not a Thursday, but it is. Um, I've tried to reschedule this week, but it's not. We are going out Thursday night, the 26th of July. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing yourself? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I have a friend staying over, the same friend that uh, caused us to reschedule last week um, for the Friday. But this week, um, we're not rescheduling. My friend is currently in my kitchen, just chilling out there for an hour while I record this show. And uh, so that's it. We're ready to go. We'll get it out because I couldn't stand another email saying, where's the podcast tonight? <laughs> no, but in, in all seriousness, people get... Like, they look forward to it on a Thursday, and, you know, as many times, unless it's really unavoidable, we do try and get out on a Thursday, um, because it's good for a routine. I mean, I know what I'm like when I'm expecting a TV show to come on. If some world event happens or something, you know, some people are killed or that, and they, my show gets cancelled till another night, yeah, what's that about, you know? <laughs> that annoys me as well. So, uh, we're here on Thursday, we're ready to go. And I think, let me get this straight, yeah, just yesterday you were doing a webinar, weren't you? I got an email about that. Yes, I did. I did a webinar presenting my new lecture, How to Think Like a Poker Player, Simplification. It turned into a pretty meaty, hell, I probably could have sold it as a product, but I really like when people give me their time that I deliver. I think that's a pretty central tenet to life, which is if you really want to be successful in this life, you have to contribute. That's just how life works. People think, oh, if I take from people, then I'll make it. And there's actually a lot of evidence that's not true. Uh, I was starting to read that book, Give and Take, recently, which was doing research into what kind of people actually succeed in life, and they were finding out who offers their time out more freely, who doesn't. And what they found that was pretty interesting is the people at the bottom of the spectrum that did really poorly were givers, mm -hmm. uh, and the people at the very top were givers too. So what they found is if you're a giving person, but you set limits, then you're going to succeed which is, look, I want to give and I want to help, but 
this is my time for my family, I don't answer my cell phone after these hours, etc., that'll leave you not feeling spent. And one way I find I can contribute to a number of people is instead of everybody sends me emails saying, I'd like you to be my mentor, which if you want a great way to never have a poker mentor, tell a poker player, I'd like you to be my mentor, because yeah. that's like saying, would you, would, you, would you like to sign up for this part-time job for no pay? Yeah. When if you just, there's no need to officially recognize you as a mentored person. Like, we don't have to have an email with a certificate of Alex is now your mentor right now. What you can do is write me a very pointed question, and then it's going to take me 14 seconds to write a paragraph back to you, but hopefully it's something that's been tricking you for a long time or that's been really difficult, and then I just mentored you. And instead of me doing personal lessons with every person who doesn't have the money but is uh, likely deserving, or I sympathize with because there was a time I had no money and I... I was just watching VHS tapes of recorded World Poker Tour episodes on my $20 VCR. I'd like to help people in that situation, but I have to set limits as well to make sure I have some kind of a life. So what I do is do these free webinars, and this one had 470 registrants, which was really neat. Uh, about 150 people showed up, which is pretty normal, but the thing I really liked is of the 150 people who showed up, like 98% of them watched the entire hour-long program, which is just unheard of in webinars. So I'd like to think I kept it very interesting. We answer really fun questions that probably come up all the time for you, but maybe you haven't had the time to work out yourself or you don't really know how to work Flopzilla or Cardrunner ZV or tools like this, such as... If I, if I bet with an open-ended straight draw on my opponent calls and the turn doesn't change anything and he checks to me, should I bet again? Uh, or let's say multiple flush draws missed on the river and my opponent triple barrels, should I call with a bear top pair? Things that, if we think about it right now, as I say those things, you're thinking, I'm not really sure when I'm supposed to do that. Uh, there's sometimes I know clearly, you know, Abe down at the card room can't, stop triple barreling, it's like a compulsion I call, uh, and another person just has never triple barrel bluffed in their life, so I don't call, but what do I do during those shades of gray? What do I do when it's somebody who might be capable of bluffing, but I'm not sure? What helps me differentiate between what to do in what situation for these mammoth bets that are 10, 15, 20 big blinds? And that's really when the how to think like a poker player stuff comes in, Here's a very simple question to ask yourself that will cut through everything to get to what you want. And I back up everything with my work, which I think is really fun because if somebody has an opposing view, they have somewhere to start from, and then hopefully I can learn from that. Uh, hasn't happened with these lessons ever, so that's why I present them because obviously it would be pretty bad if there was a way to uh, dissent pretty seriously, or to oppose what I'm saying pretty seriously. It's, uh, I don't think anybody else is doing hour-long PowerPoint lessons. So I think this is about the largest, most intensive free, tra 
free training that you can find on the internet. So I'd really recommend, I'm going to give Barry the links after we're done, and I'd really recommend you check it out. And if you like the product it's advertising, there's an early bird special for the next two days. Uh, It's always the same people who buy the products like the second they come out anyway. So what I wanted to do is reward all those people and give them an even steeper discount. Uh, so this product's going to be 200 bucks, 250 at the end, because I think that's about what it's worth. And it, it would be the most intense one-on-one lesson you ever got from a poker player, and it would take four and a half hours to deliver. So actually, it's worth a lot more than that. But uh, yeah, since I'm not personally administering the lesson, I can cut you a deal. But since the same people buy the webinars anyway all the time right away. I want to reward them for their loyalty. And instead of giving you the usual discount, which is 50% off to 100, I'm going to give you 60% off to 79. And that's available for a couple more days. Uh, and, you know, if uh, the cool thing about our job, Barry, is we don't have to charge anybody anything. Like if you don't have a – you and I have both been broke. And, uh, you know, it, it's amazing how much talk radio can get you through that or just – a, yeah. a dollar yeah. VHS tape, <laughs> so it's really fun to have this be free. You know, you you, you follow me on that? No, definitely. And you were talking about it. I can hear myself back, so um, I'll. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Sorry. It's okay. No, you were talking about it at the start of the show, just about saying, you know, like putting things out and contributing and wanting to give and stuff. And I just, you know, the last few years as well, like. With, with a podcast and I said it um, I think I was speaking to Carlos in Vegas and a couple of people in Vegas who I'd met who listened to the show and stuff like every time I meet someone that's listened to the show that I don't know otherwise you know without them listening or emailing me or whatever it's like you got to remind yourself like how amazing that is that someone's taking the time to put your podcast on and listen to it and endure you for some of these guys have been listening for you know all the episodes this is episode 187 of the ask alex show and then before that i had alex on a few times and then before that i had you know the individual pros on and stuff and some people from day one are still listening and you know some people aren't but it's amazing so like, i made a real conscious decision of you know the quality is still going to be hit and miss. We're recording over Skype, so that you know that happens. Sometimes me and Alex have to start the call again just because of the connection. So the quality might not be great, and there's no like fancy jingles coming in through like little bits and pieces. But it's a question and answer session. And what Alex has said about providing his webinars and stuff, this podcast's also free as well um, to listen to. So you can literally message Alex in any poker question within reason obviously and any life question that alex can you know offer his tuppence worth from his experiences you know in this field and it's there you'll get an answer pretty much you know just now there's a lot of questions in but a few episodes later maximum you'll get a an answer and a response and that's free and these people that you know um use it to their advantage then more power to them and yeah just it, it makes me want to do it more in terms of for the right reasons like alex says like try and put a little bit more effort in and try and bring something to the podcast when 
like Alex always jokes, oh, if you could hear me and him a few years ago, like, we hated poker, we weren't interested in, you know, whatever, who won the main events, etc., etc. This year, I followed a bit of main event coverage. I still have a Poker Go subscription, but I didn't watch it enough. And also, because I'm in the UK, you're like, sometimes it would pop up, it's restricted in your area just now because it was on ESPN here and that, and luckily I've got that, but if I didn't, I was like, nah. So, but I watched a lot more main event coverage this year and coverage of other events at the World Series, kind of followed it a bit more. Obviously, out in Vegas, had an absolute great time for two weeks. Already looking forward to going back next year uh, at the latest for the World Series again. So, I just hope that that comes through a bit more in the shows that we've done. I think it does as well, because... I've noticed a lot more interaction and emails to myself personally and stuff over the last year, certainly from people that I met up with a few people in Vegas, and it's it's all good. Uh, we don't get much hate mail or anything like that. Anything like that is purely for Alex. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes, I am really good at not paying attention to that, too. It, I love it when people say, you know, so-and-so said something about you, and I... You, I feel so mature when I go, yeah, well, there you go. No, no one's going to... But nobody has anything negative really to say about us, honestly, because we don't... It's so weird. The podcast is really about loving poker, and I like that you're talking about that now, which is what we're trying to put out there is, boy, do we really enjoy this game, and we love talking about it. And, yes, the... Audio is not perfect. We're in the studio, uh, boom mics. But at the same time, I would like to say that says a lot about how good the content is because when a 6'3 white guy who's very good-looking with a chiseled jaw in a deep baritone voice is telling me something and his hands are pressed together like so in an effort to not fidget at all, and people are nodding, going, oh, yeah, I really, I like what this guy's saying. And I, I always want to tell people, he could be reading you the phone book right now, and you'd like what he was saying. Now, if you get someone with my annoying voice and Barry's incredibly bad audio equipment, and the podcast is still going 180 episodes later with major sponsors, I would like to think that says something about the content we have. And I think the content is fairly universal when it comes to poker players in that it's just about loving poker. Barry loves watching it on Poker Go now. He loves going to Vegas. I like having some semblance of a career. Uh, I obviously am not on the European Poker Tour anymore. I still do get to play WPTs and WSOPs. It's a, it's a weird industry in that if I was a professional athlete, let's say I was a footballer or whatever, it, I, if in my 30s I'd be in Turkey or something, right? But it, with poker, it's weird because you bounce around to, okay, I was in Baltimore that week, and okay, not the most major event under the sun, and then, okay, here I am at the WCP main event, and I really do like having a career, being able to still play major events. I really do wish I got to play more poker. Playing poker is so much more fun, but 
going back to contributing, I really like contributing because to take it to, dear God, we're going to do it again, but uh, uh, Nicholas Nassim Taleb, when he talks about... (laughs) (laughs) During one of my lessons... 15th show in a row. (laughs) (laughs) The worst part is if you can read the books, you'll hear, like echoes of his concepts through a lot of my digressions too so like there's there's times i'm like consciously not trying to bring up his name but there's times you just have to give credit where credit's due where the guy presents a worldview which is look everybody else is arguing about who's smartest who's the smartest who's the fairest of them all who has the most money look, the way I look at life is who's the sucker and who's the non-sucker. And what, what that means is when you engage in anything in life, what is the upside, what is the downside? Uh, if, uh, a lot of people don't want to be in a committed relationship with someone who's a good person, but, oh, I'm young. Uh, maybe I could go out there and have fun a little bit more. And something I think about it as far as like optionality when it comes to that as long as you don't have kids, there's no real risk. You either learn to be a good person to another person and it works out or it doesn't work out. Uh, now, however, if you have kids, uh, as far as an option, that's 20 years of working with someone that someone else, right? If So you got to be really sure of that. And it's just a way to view life. And one thing about contributing and doing these podcasts doing these videos is there's no real downside. If I spend a day or at most, let's say I spend a day putting together a free webinar or it takes more than that, sometimes like a week or two to put together products or something like that. And I drink a crap ton of coffee in a Las Vegas Starbucks writing it, maybe get a little sick because they burn the coffee get bored out of my mind. Well, that's a pretty small price to pay for there is a financial upside if it goes really well. Uh, There's a contributing upside. If you help a lot of people out, those people, it's much easier to win when everybody else wants you to win. People offer their homes to you when you're in a city to play a tournament. People are there for you when you're playing in big tournaments, things like that. And I like how there's very little downside in what we do. In I also get to ar- organize my thoughts when I put them in webinar format and ask myself, what do I really think about life? Uh, what I really think about poker during these times that I spend so much time writing. And... If you think about it, when you play poker tournaments, what's the potential upside and what's the potential downside? The potential downside in poker tournaments is hundreds of buy-ins and years of your life, if not your sanity. Because people still do this thing where, oh, you lost 80 tournament buy-ins? Oh, you must be terrible. I've been in backing relationships where I'm playing 10Ks, and I lose 11 buy-ins, and the guy's just panicking. (laughs) What did you think you signed up for, right? And when you play cash games, what's the potential downside? Uh, And I've experienced all of these, by the way, with years of my life. Well, the potential downside is 20, 30 buy-ins, 40 buy-ins, 50 buy-ins, whatever your worst downswing is. 
in months of your life. Well, what's the upside? Well, hundreds of buy-ins. What, what's the option on contributing, doing these podcasts, doing these webinars, doing these lecture series, doing these lessons? The downside is a few days in a Starbucks thinking about something you really love and coming up with your theories and going through your notebooks and talking with poker players who you would probably share a coffee with anyway. And the upside is near what I was making when I played 200 and L like every day of my life, eight, 10 hours a day, which is, you know, it's not going to eclipse winning an EPT money, that's never going to happen. You know, you'd have to be Doug Polk with his PLO series or whatever it is to make that much money with coaching. Uh, you would have to be the best talent in the world and your training product would have to be just monumental. But it's a good living and the fact that it's so good for me makes it awesome for my students as well because then when I show up to work, I'm in a great mood. You and I tend to be in a pretty good mood when we do this podcast, and there's value to that, putting people in a good mood, enjoying things that they love already. Everybody loves poker until poker becomes a little silly for a few moments, and to reinvigorate people and to get them back into the fray, I'd like to think has a lot of value, and I'm glad that we still do that 187 episodes in. Yeah, and another Taleb uh, reference in a word he likes to use is there's no bullshit here. Like, yes. you're, you're fully transparent, you, your newsletter, you, you give, 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 and then, you know, do a webinar and ask people to buy it if they want. And uh, even, I've said before, even if you just listen to the podcast and read Alex's newsletter, I mean, it's, that's dollar value, definitely. Um, it will make you a better player, which will then give you a better chance to win money. It's like, you know, nobody can... Like, Alex has played tournaments for a living for years and years, knows the game inside out. But Alex can't even guarantee himself, like, going on tonight and winning a tournament. You know, it's like... Yeah. It's, you can't just go, yeah, I'm going to go out and win a tournament tonight for the week's money. You know, so it's just giving you the chance. And like Alex says, the whole optionality thing, which... Uh, Taleb is the unofficial uh, silent uh, third, <laughs> third, third co-host on the OneOuter.com podcast. Um, it's true. It's just putting you in these spots again, isn't it? And I think that is what it is. It's, it's, it's no bullshit. It's not like we're going, oh, like, could you sign up for this affiliate link so that, you know, we get that. We're sponsored by America's Cardroom. We tell people, you know, if they want the rate back, then they need to sign up for the account by clicking on the ads there. But that's about it. We're not constantly going, here's an ad break, or videos filled with ads, or um, intrusive emails trying to like spam you to sell this headphone set, or this hoodie, or whatever. It's pretty much me and Alex talking on a mic, and Alex answering questions and giving you value. And I know a lot of people get stuff from it, and that's, that's what it's about. Yeah, it's about having fun. I always tell, people always ask me, how did you get, I'll, I'll have an answer for some really fringe thing in tournaments or in cash games even, even though that's not my specialty, and they'll say, how did you know that answer? And the answer that always goes through my head is, I've been having fun for 12 years. Like, I've had, believe me, I've had some downtimes. I've had my battles. Uh, uh, certainly when I was younger and on the tour, I, I 
was a little too into the tour life, uh, very, very much an understatement. But there, I've been having fun the whole time. And what I would do is I would just, if I wondered about something, I wouldn't turn it into this big thing of like, you need to train, you need to wake up at six tomorrow morning and open up your Equilab and make sure you have it right. It's, no, I'm going to get on the phone with Barry. We're going to be asked about it. I'm going to look into it later, see if I can find it, and just trying to stay curious. And I guess the other thing is what I like about it also is you create a legacy is an interesting thing, which is, you know, I always joke about this, but it's not really a joke. If I get hit by a bus tomorrow, there's a real, you'll have multiple books, and you'll have a lot of videos about what I thought about poker. And I, I'm not going to be modest. I'm pretty sure it's going to be pretty standard stuff in a few years. And I would like in they there are chess historians that go back to the Islamic scholars in 600 AD and say this guy had this idea before anyone else. And I would like to be that person. And if I can have a really good time while doing it, and also give back to the people who don't have money to do this because who don't have the money for the paid lesson. If you don't have money for the paid lessons, I don't want you to not learn something. I, we have never once on this podcast said like, okay, tune into this for four ninety nine and you'll get the full spiel. It's no, uh, if you ask me a question, I'm going to give you my honest answer. In my lectures, I can show you all the graphs, and I can show you all the combinatorics, and I can show you the hand histories, and I can lay it out in a way that I think is far more memorable because I have the time to do that, and you guys are commissioning me for that time. But what I really like is I remember when poker was my escape. I remember when I wasn't even living in my childhood home in high school I was already paying rent and I couldn't even make rent payments I was landscaping to make up the difference and I just didn't have a whole lot going on there was no anybody asking me if I was going to college that just wasn't happening and poker was really my way of escaping and I would read Tommy Angelo articles and Tommy Angelo at the time had hundreds of articles for free out on the internet. And he was one of the few guys I found actually did that. And that was so nice to have that every day, just every day at school when I was bored, I, I could pull up one of them and kind of get lost in the idea of, oh God, what if I could travel the world and play poker for a living? If you grow up like that and somebody did it like that, you do have to pay it forward. You have to at some yeah. point do the same thing and I think it's very neat that we get to do it this way and yeah I'm just another love letter to the fans I guess we just did but yeah. <laughs> well, well, no, I agree it's, it's, it's true though you know it is it's, it's true it's, it's a good sentiment a nice sentiment but it is true as well it's um, yes sir you know you just you gotta give I mean, I do. I don't do it for free, but yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, 
that that uh that Scottish brogue doesn't even uh turn over in bed for less than a couple grand, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get a real host here. We had to pay. Yeah, I answer my phone and instead of hello, I say how much. <laughs> uh, all right, let's pay it forward now and answer some questions. Then um, let me see what we got this week. All right, we're going to kick off with this. Uh, Andy emailed in. And it was basically, I don't have the whole question here, but paraphrasing, he was wanting you to go through the final table bubble hand. Um, I'm sure everybody saw it. If you haven't, it's for the WSOP 2018 final table bubble. So 10 players left, and it was kings against kings against aces. So um, we were going to do it last week, but we didn't have the hand details. So I watched uh, another poker YouTube video and pulled the details. So I've got the details, so I'm going to tell Alex, and then Alex is going to take us through what we should have did at that final table, and or if, if it all played out as it should have. Um, so if you're ready, Alex. Let's do it. Okay, so the blinds are 300k, 600k. Then uh, Mannion is sitting on 43.2 million. And then there's a player, Labat, who is on 51.2 million. And then there's a player, Zoo, who's on 24.7 million. And Mannion opens to 1.5 million. Labat flat calls the 1.5 million. Zoo then shoves 24 million. It comes back to Mannion, who shoves 43.2 million. And then the decisions on Labat, who has Mannion covered, and obviously Zoo covered, because Zoo's the short stack in this scenario, and he decides to call as well. Now, Mannion opened the 1.5 million, he is the player with aces, Labat flat called with kings, and then Zoo uh, shoves the 24 million, comes back to Mannion with the aces, he shoves all in 43.2 million with with the aces and then Labat sits and maybe tanks for about I don't know probably a minute maybe not even a minute and a half just over and then calls with uh, kings and he has them both covered and the aces hold and uh, Zoo goes out as the bubble boy and then that's the nine left so Alex if you want to talk us through that well I think there's what people are actually talking about in this hand because I, I've heard rumblings of this hand since it happened and there's what I actually think is important here which I would rather talk about um, go broke with kings there the whole that's fine like there's nothing you did wrong you can anybody saying this is a bad call is out of their damn mind. Do they really think they would be any clear-headed, any more clear-headed at that stage? You have played poker for... I think they... I, I, it was so strange. I busted the third day of when the WCP was running with a day uh, off in there, and I had developed a product. I had come back... I, for, for a week, I was in Vegas developing a product, uh going to NBA Summer League, I came back home, I unpacked everything, I went hiking for a day, I spent a day at home, I worked for a day, and the damn main event was still going on after <laughs> I had done all of that. <laughs> I was thinking, like, how are these guys tying their shoes, right? Much less 
anything else. And I, the thing that's funny to me is when people say, like, I could have folded kings there. I'm like, yeah, right, buddy. Uh, yeah, uh, now, uh, the it's pr- easy to type it on YouTube. Yeah, it's, it's very easy to write a comment on YouTube. And the thing, now, here's what I really want to talk about here. Uh, his, his call with the Kings, uh, it, it doesn't, it's not really my game. Uh, I don't think people squeeze nearly as much as they should. So, like, the average squeezing percentage of any player is, like, 4%, which is aces, kings, queens, and jacks. So, trying to induce that with a smooth call with kings, not my favorite thing to do. I, I think this really plays into this super risk-averse way to play poker, which I just fundamentally disagree with. I think if you play like that, if you run a little well, you'll avoid big hands that you lose, and you'll have some big results, but it's going to be really hard to continue to make a ton of money, and that's not something I love. Uh, Now, if you're in the habit of flatting consistently, which I don't like either, yes, you should throw in some big hands, but... I think you can even see how little people like to squeeze by the fact the guy had 24 million here and he just, instead of squeezing to 6.8 or 7.4 or anything, he just went all of it, right? Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show you how hard it is for people to squeeze. And the way you play your one pairs will decide everything in No Limit Hold'em. High card's pretty easy to play. Usually not winning, you fold them. Two pair are better. Pretty damn easy to play. Usually you're winning, you play them hard. One pair is everything. And I'll tell you one thing. You three-bet kings and go for three streets, a lot of times people are not going to raise you as a bluff. I think people are comically bad at raising uh, for a bluff, especially in tournaments. Like, flatting with kings there in cash games is a a play I really like because people just kind of ease off when it's a smooth called pot and they call down a little too much. Whereas if you start attacking, there's some cash, there's cash game guys all over the United States and all over Europe who are really good at putting in raises on turns and rivers that will really make your life a living hell with one pair. And they're very good at converting third pair, fourth pair into a bluff. Whereas the average tournament player is atrocious at these things. So with that being said, when I see kings, I see gold. I didn't watch... And by the way, I don't know the players. I haven't watched this event or anything, but I'm talking about tournament, tournament poker in general right now. You have a big pair like kings and aces. You should just go for it. Go for the gold. Most of the time, people will pay you off, and they're really bad at turning hands into bluffs. And I'll tell you where nobody wants to turn into a, a hand into, the bluff, into a bluff. It's final 10 of the WCP main event. Nobody wants to look stupid. So I would just go for it you're usually going to know what the guy has. Now, if you do call there, it's because you hope somebody does something ridiculous behind you. And in this case, someone did. And then the other guy re-isolates. Well, do you think he'd re-isolate with jacks? Yes, quite possibly. You can count a few combos. Can he get... Queens, would he do that? Absolutely. Uh, Ace-King? I can see it. Ace-King suited? I can see it most, uh, most of the time. So do I have to call the kings there? Yes, absolutely. It goes into a very simple how to think like a poker player trick. 
Before you call, ask yourself, does he do this with X? And X is the best hand that you beat. Does he do it with queens? If the answer is no, then obviously go ahead and fold. Uh, now, do, do I really think he folds queens to that just out-and-out out squeeze there? Absolutely not. I don't see that happening. I don't, I, I, I'd have a hard time seeing people do that with jacks. And quite frankly, if he turned up with 10 there, I, would, I, would be I wouldn't be surprised. And ace-king suited is uh, a hand a lot of people overvalue. Uh, I do think you could fold there if uh, you really think there's a few psychopaths that will move you up in a sixth-place prize money. But nobody folds there as much as they should. So do you have to call with kings there? Absolutely. And I think something we got to recognize is a lot of times when people tell you they're thinking, they're not. They're saving face. Because if you snap call there and the guy has aces, it looks a lot worse than if you went if you sat there for 90 seconds and then you called and the guy had aces, you can go like, damn it, I knew it, right? And you save a little face, but there's a lot of times the guy's tanking at a live table and I want to scream, would you hurry up and call? We all know you're calling, okay? I know you got to, like, show everybody maybe, just maybe you knew it, but I don't buy it, okay? And you're slowing down the game. A lot of this is saving face. And a lot of people saying they could fold kings there, that's very much Monday morning quarterbacking. It is much harder on day 10 there when you're getting loopy and you're eating Vegas food and you're coming in from the desert every day into the AC and the flashing lights and the hours and hours of focus. Think about tired. Think about tired you are after a standardized test. Think about tired you are after a bar exam. Now imagine going to a test where you don't even know what questions are being asked of you for 10 days. You just have to formulate them out of thin air. That's the WCP main event. And to act like you could play better than them at that stage is a complete joke most of the time. Now, a lot of people, I think, more often not the YouTube desk jockeys, but the people who listen to this podcast, I think what they're really asking when this hand comes up, if we could decipher it a bit, is am I allowed to fold kings there? Because let's be honest, if that person folded kings there and the other guy had queens and the initial jammer had jacks, you'd never hear the end of it. Mm -hmm. This guy's the dumbest person who ever walked the earth. And by the way, it's not like that's never happened. It's not like him having jacks and queens there is from the twilight zone and they all have goatees in this alternate dimension. They, that is a very possible occurrence, and what would happen if he had folded kings there? Oh, this is the dumbest play I've ever seen in my entire life. This is the yeah. dumbest play I've ever... The exact same people on YouTube, right now saying they could have folded those kings, would have been saying that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And what I think we need to take from this, and this comes up all the time in... Actually, I don't know if we've talked about this, Barry. Are you a Michael Lewis fan? Did you ever read uh, The Undoing? Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you like him? Uh, 
the Liars Poker and stuff. Liars Poker, the Undoing Project, Moneyball, uh, the Big Short. And something that comes up in his books all the time, which is... It, we have to really separate how we feel and what the public thinks from what is actually important. Uh, Nassim Taleb talks about this a lot, which is many people who pick stocks do it so they can have little wins each day. But that's very fragile because when the market shifts, like you're going to lose big, whereas he shorts everybody because he thinks nobody has any idea what they're doing, and he loses 99 days out of 100, but one day out of 100, something amazing happens on the stock market that nobody could have ever predicted, and he just makes money hand over fist. One feels awful and is also the better choice. Mm -hmm. uh, or I guess it's like in blackjack. When you have a 16 and you're facing the dealer 7, it, it feels weird to hit, right? It's a, by the way, I've never played blackjack in my life, but that's how you're supposed to play, right? Yeah, <laughs> even against the, if the dealer has a 10, if you've got 16, it's a hit. Yeah, it? it's a hit, right? Now, it feels weird, but there are no good options here. Uh, and I think something that's going to come up in poker in the next 10, 20 years, I, I think it's a very anti- well, I mean, I don't think it's going to come up in the next 10, 20 years, but I think this is going to become a much bigger concept, which is if you don't know what to do, you fold. That's it. Like, that's the whole thing. Why do, why do you right now not have all your money in cryptocurrency? It could become a big deal. Uh, there was one cryptocurrency that blew up, but and not in the Wall Street blew up, the hip-hop blew up. Uh, why don't you have all your money in crypto? Well, because you don't know if it's good. Now, imagine you're a general manager for an NBA basketball team. Now, you, you watch a kid comes in, and he goes, I'm the best basketball player from India. And he's seven feet, one, he's seven foot one. Now, and somebody says, sign him. Why? He's tall. Well, yes, okay, more often than not, an NBA basketball player is tall, but i got to see him on the court, right? And you have just seen these kings on the court, and you don't like what you see. And normally kings are good, and nine times out of ten, you'd be good with it if the kings had any redeeming qualities, but you don't like it this one time. I think you have every right to fold. And I think if the other two guys have queens and jacks, it should be a, one of these who cares moments. I, I don't grind my entire life to get to, I don't grind for 10 days, get to a spot where I don't know what to do, and then put all my money in. That's not successful investing. Investing is always about picking what you know, doing what you know, picking what is solid. Now, these kings might be good 99% of the time, but maybe this one time you felt something weird. And I think what most people are asking is, could I have even considered folding there? I think it's a call. I, I think, I fully admit I would have gotten this one wrong. I fully admit my chips would have been in the middle. 
But I think what people are saying is if I was freaked out there and I wanted to fold kings, could I do it? Well, you first have to ask yourself, do I really not like how these kings are playing out? And do I think it's a loser right now? And I don't know what to do. And do I want to fold because of that? Or am I just freaked out, period, but I know what the right decision is? If you're freaked out, period, and you know what the right decision is, you've got to overcome that fear and put the money in. However, I can always tell who's not going to last as a poker pro because they say statements like these. I had top two pair. What was I supposed to do? I had pocket tens and I three bet with 30 big blinds. What was I supposed to do? I had kings. I had an overpair on the board. 10-8-2 board. What was I supposed to do? The translation I hear is, I had no idea what to do, so I put all my chips in the middle. Does that sound intelligent? That, I don't think that is a good way to invest, e either in a micro-transaction game, such as No Limit Hold'em tournaments, or if you're picking stocks. Any form of investing, I think that's horrible. And I think that's what really most adults are asking about in this hand is could the guy, would the guy be allowed to fold kings? And similarly, conversely, let's say he folded kings there and the aces hold up. He's not a genius there either. He, had, he got lucky. He didn't like how it was going. He decided, you know what, I'm done. I, I did not play this tournament for 10 days to stick almost all my money in with a hand I know nothing about. I know nothing about if this hand's good. I pass. In, if he sees aces there, I don't think it shows he's a good player either. I just think he had the maturity to not stick all of his money in when he didn't know what was going on. Nor is he a bad player if he folds there and he sees two pairs of jacks. I think that's really what we should discuss in this hand. And if there's any moral you can get from this, if you don't know what to do, full. And you've said that quite a few times, Alex, on the show, because it's something that sticks with me. Um, I remember playing pocket tens, actually, and I didn't know <laughs> what to do. And you said to me, yeah, if you don't know what to do. But I, I think it is. It's a bit hindsight, isn't it? It is, like to use your Americanism, a Monday morning quarterback. It's after the fact. It's results-orientated. It's all that stuff. It's people looking and saying, I mean, oh, you know, he's got 70 big blinds. Um, if he folds there, like, one of them's going to go out or crippled anyway. And then it's, like, the final nine and et cetera, et cetera. The Labatt guy, you know, he had them both covered. He didn't have to call playing devil's advocate. But you're, you say the same thing, like... If you see it face up and the guy that's uh, three bet shoved has got jacks and Mannion, who's then isolated with his shove, has got queens. If you see it face up and you've got kings, then of course you call. Um, you're on ten, you know, 10 left in WSOP. You could knock out two players and go to the, you know, eight left with how much of the chips in play sort of thing, playing for eight million. So, and like you say, well, you can't see it face up, but it's perfectly plausible that the short stack jammed, you know, jacks or queens or ace-king there, 
and equally that Mannion, I mean, when he's flatted, he's underrepresented anyway, isn't he, with the Kings, uh, especially at that stage of the tournament. So when that guy shoves, when Zoo shoves his Kings for the 24 million, then quite I could easily see that Mannion have an ace king or ace king suited there and going, well, I'm all in as well to to get a heads up, you know, quite easily. So, yeah, I think I I think I can see a fold in hindsight like anybody can. I think I've got to be honest and say in the moment as well with Kings, you know, it comes back to me, especially after all that days, and I'm already guaranteed what nine hundred thousand or something, eight hundred thousand. I think mm-hmm. a call as well. It's you know. There's a lot of, oh, I, yeah, like we said, Monday morning quarterbacking, oh, I could do better. It's, uh, it's funny. To, to slow down in that moment and give yourself the really logical, uh, removed sort of mindset of, I can just, I've put, I've flattered here with one and a half, I can muck and just mm-hmm. forget it. You know, one of them's got aces here and an almost zen-like nature, and just like you say, if they don't, and they turn over jacks and queens, and you you would have took the lot, and you have to live with, like, you check, that's the guy, that's the idiot that folded kings at the final table, and etc. To remove yourself from all that and make a fold there, like you say, I mean, that would have, you know, that would have been equally impressive, but you can't hang the guy for calling. No, you can't, and... This is uh, like when I did a really big jam, blind versus blind, uh, the final two tables of the PCA, and people were like telling me on my way to the taxi about how easy, you know, like I got king 10 suited in versus ace queen. It's not like I did anything uh, incredibly bad. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this before, but people have three bet bluffed from the big blind before versus the small blind, especially when that small blind is opening 40% of the hands. I happen to have missed this one time. And, yeah, everybody had an opinion. And I always just, it goes to that Taleb thing, which is if you don't put your own money on it, Mm -hmm. I don't care. You can say whatever you want. It was my money. I made my decision. That's it. Okay, and if even if somebody invested in me, that's my reputation, and it's me making the decision, and that's it. If you think you can do better, you are more than welcome to try, okay? But until then, I don't care what you have to say. And this goes into, uh, this goes into it's really good to have a short memory with this game because if you ever get to the point you're moving up in this game. You're going to hear that stuff all the time. I could have done that better. I could have done that. Yeah, yeah, buddy. I'm sure. Like, every, everybody's a genius when the hands are facing up. I know. And the other thing is, this is why I hate hold card, hold card cameras. I do a lot of folds. Like, if I have queens there, a lot of times I just don't even think about it. I just mock. Right? I just, like, whatever. Right? <laughs> like, I know I'm folding the winner. A lot of the time, I don't care, right? And sometimes I fully get shown ace, queen, and tens, right? <laughs> uh, it happens. And when there's no whole card cameras, I don't even think about it. I forget about it. This goes into the short memory thing. I forget about it 
But I know myself. I know why I make those decisions. It's worked out more often than it hasn't. I trust my instincts, but I forget about it. Uh, like literally an hour later, I'll forget about it. If I misread a bet and do a stupid thing, that will eat me alive the entire night. But if I go with what I know, it doesn't work out, that I can forget. But when those whole card cameras are there, and I'm not saying whole card cameras are bad for the game or that they shouldn't be a part of the game, but it's so annoying to have to hear everybody about, you know, I could have called there. Yeah, you call with everything. That's why you're not there. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually said to my brother, I was talking with my brother, and I said, God, like we were, you went, you watch the main event and stuff. I says, yeah, you know, and I, I watched it down to the heads up battle that w- then went on for 10, 11 hours or something. The heads up battle, it was crazy. And um, we were talking, I said, God, you know, you'd love to make that final table, but it'd be kind of shit as well. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, could you imagine playing like with the whole poker community and Twitter? Like on your every move, like oh my god, like he, how could he bet that there or whatever? And you know, some of these guys are recreational players, other you know they they've got an understanding of the game, but their biggest cash previously was you know a couple of thousand dollars or whatever, and you know that they're just going to get ridiculed and picked apart, and it's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure to, you know, especially in this community, like where it does get, you know. Only in this game can a guy win a million dollars and get called an idiot. Yes. I get a lot of students who had... There, a lot of my students, you guys know nothing about, because my, my rule with my students is I will never talk about having you as a student unless you talk about having me as a coach first, right? Your privacy is my first concern. Because not any... You don't want to advertise. I use Assassin's methods because if somebody is familiar with my style of poker player, then they could create counter strategies. The the first rule of Fight Club is it doesn't exist. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And then I left. I wonder what the second rule is. Anyway, I really love Fight Club. I'd recommend everybody shows up. But yeah, anyway. Uh, So anyway... I have a lot of guys that flamed out at a big final table and everybody's ridiculing them. And I always tell them the same thing. Dude, every day I turn on ESPN, there's a new article about how LeBron sucks. There's an article about how LeBron James, the best basketball player in the world, is nothing compared to Kobe and Michael Jordan. And I'm old enough to remember when Michael Jordan was popping, they were talking about he's nothing compared to Will Chamberlain or, you know, just they will never stop because people who do not participate, who do not have skin in the game, need to talk about something. And men, uh, men get really into this masculinity game. Uh, I, I think it's just testosterone and men being obsessed with the pecking order of everything. I think that's a human condition. And if they can address someone or knock down the guy who's at the top of the totem pole, they feel in some fashion that they're closer to him, when in reality, nothing of that nature has occurred. You know what could have gotten you a little further up? Learning how to cook something new or working out that day or studying something you didn't understand at the final table. 
dropping a YouTube comment did not get you any closer to the top. In fact, I, I would argue probably distanced you from the top. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Haters going to hate. You know, that's Yeah, well said, well said. Trolls going to troll. Okay, that is all the time we have. Uh, I do have my friends staying over and I've left them in the kitchen. So either my house is empty um, or he's still there and uh, it's all good. Um, I'll, he's not remotely interested in poker as well, but he thought it was very interesting that I was doing a podcast. Um, <laughs> so, Alex, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, firstly, about your new webinar that is out. I, I am going to post the links and stuff to the free preview of that in the show notes of this on the website. But how can people get in touch with you for the webinar to order that and get on your newsletter, etc.? If you guys want, well, the first thing I should say is check out the new strategy video. If you like the strategy discussions on this podcast, this is going to be right up your alley. It's like what we're talking about here, but I get full reign over hand history reviews, and I get to show you all the combos I counted. I get to show my work, and there's bullet points so you can memorize what's really important. There's quizzes answers, review, making sure you get the concepts that will help you the next time you play. And it's all absolutely free. So please do check out the free YouTube video. I love putting them together, and I'd love uh, to hear you guys are loving it. So check that out. Sign up for my newsletter at PokerAdRush.com. That's my old blog site, but if you want to get my very snazzy newsletter, go to the top right and enter your email address. Go into the contacts of your email and add Alex at PokerHeadRush.com. That way you'll get all of them delivered right to you. Uh, follow me on YouTube at The Assassinato. I do classic training videos at Tournament Poker Edge. Follow me on... Uh, oh, no, I already did that one. It's, uh, it's hard keeping all these plugs together, Barry. Oh, and if you want to write me, it's Alex at PokerHeadRush.com. I don't have an assistant. It's me answering all of these. So, yeah, check all that stuff out. Okay, and uh, if you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, please email questions at oneouter.com. You can post them to me on Twitter at oneouter.com or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, thanks again for joining us this week, and I really enjoyed that. That was interesting. And what we'll do is we'll see you all next week and see what other questions. There's a couple of great questions in as well that we didn't get to today, but... We'll get to them next week. And there's another one in from G that just arrived today as well. So he's not okay. made an appearance on it. <laughs> We've not heard from him in a few shows, so we'll I, get that one out. <laughs> like 20 whole minutes we've got <laughs> carrying a brain teaser from G. But no, that, that, that's like, the uh, thing as well. It's a, an example of a listener who's going, wait a minute, they're giving, Alex is going to give me this for free. And I, right, oh, here's a question. Here's a question. And that's somebody that's going to get on and become a good player. You know, I, I think we'll hear a lot about G in the future. That's true. And yes, I authentically am looking forward to all these. This will be good fun. Okay. All right. Thanks again, Alex. And we'll see you all next week. Cheers. Cheers. The Sunday Major is back to the USA. America's Card Room is kicking off 2018 with a Texas Hold'em-sized bang that could change your life. Beginning January 7th, America's Card Room is hosting the biggest Sunday major on the planet with $1,001 on the table every week. 
Yes, $1 million and $1 guaranteed. Forget about just one time to change your life. The $1 million and $1 guaranteed tournament is happening weekly, all for just $265 a pop. For all the info, check out americascardroom.eu.